right. Well, hello, friends. How are we? <laughs> there it is. That's uh, so kind. Hey, I just want to acknowledge, uh, Jay kind of teed that up in a, a way that was really helpful, that when we enter into spaces like this, we come in with some baggage. Uh, maybe for you that was uh, trying to feed and clothe your tiny humans and somehow get here on time, or at least to be able to be present right now. Uh, for some of us, that's Monday morning and the things that are waiting for us there, that conversation, those emails. For you, it, it could be finances or a relationship or something else that... that uh, distracts and pulls you away from being fully present. And so today, we're going to put those things in this box. It's going to fit all of our issues. Uh, and so what I'd love for you guys to do is we're going to uh, just take a deep breath in, and we're going to exhale. And I want you to think about what is that thing for you? What are those things right now that are stressing you out? And we're going to take one more deep inhale, and we're going to put those things in this box. And they're going to stay in this box for the next 30 minutes. Can we do that? Okay, so we're going to take one more deep breath in, into the box. Wow, it was like a little yoga session this morning or something. (laughs) Well, guys, for those of you just joining us, we are in a series called Suit Up in which we've been talking about this thing called spiritual warfare, which sounds intense, but the basic idea is that this life is not neutral, Uh, that behind the physical, there are spiritual forces of good and evil at play, and that's why we experience such resistance in this life. Uh, Sometimes those are external realities, whether it's a circumstance, something bad that happened, or something untimely. We experience resistance. Uh, Sometimes that's internal, uh, between the good that we want to do and and the bad that we end up doing, Uh, fighting those voices that say that you're not good enough, that you're alone, we meet some resistance. And what we've been looking at for the last few weeks is uh, this battle that we're in. The Apostle Paul would tell us that we meet that resistance because we're in a battle. But we don't have to enter into that battle unequipped. And so for the last few weeks, we've been looking at uh, Ephesians 6, uh, chapters 13, or verses 13 through 15. And we're going to open up there this morning. We read in verse 13. It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, and it will come, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And so last week, uh, we talked about this breastplate of righteousness, Uh, that Christianity, unlike any other, it's not about what we can do for God, but what God did for us. Um, And it's that breastplate of righteousness, his righteousness that protects us from those feelings of shame, from the enemy's accusations. Uh, And today we're going to be talking about feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. (laughs) That's a mouthful, isn't it? Feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Essentially, the sandals of peace. And so, uh, Paul's been giving us this image of a Roman soldier gearing up for battle. And he's been giving us a physical piece of armor with its spiritual counterpart. Uh, And so today, we're talking about these sandals of peace, which, as we know historically, these were leather-soled shoes with studs in them. Uh, As the Roman soldier would enter into battle, they needed something to help them to stand firm. Uh, in the midst of mud and and everything that they would encounter. Uh, These leather-soled shoes called caliga uh, would help the soldier stand their ground 
and take ground. So that's kind of the, the physical counterpart. It's this thing that, that keeps us rooted, that keeps us grounded, that allows us to take ground and to keep ground. Now, the spiritual counterpart that uh, Paul talks about here is the gospel of peace, essentially the good news of Jesus. That at its core, it's a message of peace. It means relational peace between us and God, but it should also produce peace within us, that we should be a people marked by peace. Is that true of you? If someone were to look at your life and the things that you've gone through, would they say, wow, Look at that person's peace. Despite everything they've been through, they just have, they're just so grounded. They're just so calm amidst life's storms. Is that true of you? Yes? No? Maybe? Uh, I know if I were to be completely honest, I would say no. You know, it was about uh, four years ago. I was preparing, it was my first ministry job. I was preparing for a, a talk, and I'm seated in this big leather chair, and I started to notice my, my left bicep twitching. Kind of harmless. I mean, you guys have had like the eyelid kind of like start twitching, uh, that kind of thing. Well, it was annoying at first. It was just a day, but then it was days and then weeks. And then for over a month, I, I noticed that my muscles were just like really twitchy. And I began feeling just an enormous amount of strain and tension in my back. Um, I've always been a little terrified of public speaking, and so I was used to the stress that led up to the day, but that stress began to seep into the rest of the week. My thoughts began to race. I was having many panic attacks on ministry days. At times, it felt like my heart was in a vice. And yet, I kept it to myself. Because as I looked around, everybody else seemed like they were at peace. Everybody else had joy. It was just me kind of in this struggle. And so I kept it to myself. It wasn't until much later that a counselor even used the word anxiety. And suggested that like my body was literally so stressed out, so tense, that it was screaming at me to say, you're stressed, do something about it. And so as someone very much still in the battle with anxiety, I just want to say from the beginning that when it comes to things like anxiety and depression, uh, very often there's legitimate biological causes. And that those things should be treated through things like counseling and medication, diet and exercise. And I personally have seen enormous kind of relief in those areas. But as the uh, Apostle Paul argues, as we'll see today, is uh, there can also be a significant spiritual component. And the, the gospel or the good news of peace could be that thing that helps you find peace in areas of your life that you may have given up on. It's interesting to note that these, these good news shoes, these, uh, these sandals of peace are off, offered in the midst of the battle. Not the absence of it. And, and what we're going to see today is that you can find peace in the midst of your battle, in the midst of whatever life throws at you. But it starts with this good news of peace. So what is this good news that is peace and should produce peace in us? It's that the war is already won. The war is won. As we face battles, we recognize that the war is won. You know, for thousands of years, if you look at the course of human history, you see humanity's utter inability to live right, uh, to live as they ought, or even to live as we'd like to live. There's these brief moments where we, we seem to get things right, and then things fall apart. War breaks out. Chaos. We see this in our own lives. 
For thousands of years, you see rites and rituals, best intentions, endless sacrifice, just trying to be right with ourselves and with God. And it all falls apart. That is until the cross. It's in this decisive moment that makes Christianity different than any other religion. That it's not about working our way up to God, it's that God came down to us. That he didn't wait for us to be perfect, he didn't wait for us to have it all together. In fact, he met us in our mess. He loved us in our mess at times that we didn't even love us. And in the greatest display of that love, he died for you and for me on the cross. And just in that moment where it felt like evil had won, like landed the final blow, like those nails hammered into the cross, we discovered that all the while God had been working a plan. That Jesus was not alone on the cross. That on that cross were nailed all of the world's sins, all of our falling shorts, past, present, future, yours and mine, were nailed to that cross once and for all dealt with so that you and I could be right with God. So that some 2,000 years later, you and I could be sitting here today and know that if you trust in and believe in Jesus, that you can know once and for all that you are right with God, that you are deeply loved, forgiven, not alone. That is good news. Come on, let's go. The war is won. And yet, as your experience maybe even this morning may have realized, our battles still wage on. You know, it was June 6, 1944, that some thousand ships carrying 200,000 soldiers landed on the beaches of Normandy. On that day, as historians look back, they say that D-Day, that day was the day that the war was effectively over. For all intensive purposes, the, the army that had been amassed, that force, no human army could withstand. The war was over. And yet it wasn't until May 8th, nearly a year later, that V-Day happened, that officially all the battles ceased. And that's true of the good news of Jesus as well. That on that day, on that cross, the victory was won, and yet that message still has not reached its end. And so when the Apostle Paul, when he picks up this idea, these feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, he's actually quoting a prophecy some 700 years before Jesus came on the scene and claiming this victory that he would have one day. And he, he quotes it. He says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace. He's using the image of a messenger returning from war, running down a mountain saying, peace, victory has been had. The war has been won. But just like that, that news has not reached the farthest places on the earth and has not reached the depths of us. If you can imagine uh, the cross at the epicenter, it's almost as if that news is radiating out to the farthest breaches of the world in the deepest parts of us. And that's why so many of us don't experience peace. Because that news has not reached the deepest parts of us. Let me explain. If you think about God, uh, wherever God is, he brings about peace and order. 
Uh, he is so high and mighty that when he enters into this space, everything else just finds its place. God is peace. Uh, we see this in the creation account. There, there he was hovering over the earth. It was dark, formless, and void. And then he speaks, and suddenly there's light and dark. There's ocean and land, seasons. He brings peace out of the chaos. Wherever God is, we find peace. And yet wherever he isn't, we find disorder. Things fall apart. And since we love a good whiteboard around here, I brought the mini one. Uh, if you think about the different areas of our life, um, we can kind of think of them on a continuum. And it's, it's on these extremes that we experience stress and anxiety, kind of these extremes. So if you were to think about your finances, if God is not invited into that part of your life, uh, we struggle with things like greed, about wanting more, about consuming. Uh, or on the other side of that, we struggle with things like stinginess, a scarcity mentality that, that's trying to pinch every penny if it's all going to run out. Uh, if you think about our relationships, we have a, a tendency to idolize the other, thinking that they're everything, trying to make them God. Or we have a tendency to isolate we feel lonely. We don't trust ourselves with others. You can think about this with your, your self-body image, your self-image. Uh, we have the tendency towards vanity and over-obsession with self or self-hatred. Saying horrible things about ourselves, being our own worst critic. And it's in these extremes when we experience them that we find anxiety, that we find stressors. And yet when we invite God into these things, he brings order. He brings peace. And so in our, in our finances, we find stewardship, enjoying what we have and yet being really generous with it. In our relationships, we find a sense of belonging that rather than de, uh, idolizing others or isolating, we find that we are known and needed in community. In the area of, of your self-image, we find a sense of uh, worthiness or wholeness. When we invite God into these spaces, he brings peace to the chaos. The problem is, is that we don't invite him into all those spaces. If you can think about your life like a house with many rooms, you know, maybe the, the kitchen is your sense of provision about being provided for. Uh, maybe for you, the living room is your sense of a, a community of relationships. Your garage is maybe your stuff. Your, your office is your finances. For some of us, God is on the porch. We're, we're not quite sure if we can trust him. We're kind of looking at him through the peephole. We're thinking that maybe he's just trying to sell us something that we don't want. And so we keep him on the porch where it's safe. For others of us, uh, we invite him into the living room, like in our, in our relationships, in our sense of community. In fact, some of you guys might have tried out church because you knew you needed people. And so you, you, that's your source of community. That's where it kind of started. But whew, stay out of the office. You are not touching my finances. And you are definitely not staying over for dinner because I don't know if I can trust you to provide. For others of us, we've invited him into many rooms in the house, but not that room. Not that room, that area of your life, that, that childhood wound, that broken relationship. 
Nobody goes there. And that's why for so many of us, we don't experience peace. It's because we have not invited God into all the parts of us. We've actually closed many of those areas off. You know, uh, reminds me of, uh, we have a student, a senior named Zach. Uh, never before have I seen such transformation in a student than what we got to see in Zach. Uh, it was about a year ago that he was in a really dark place. He had completely closed himself off from others and completely just closed himself off from God. He had weighed up such enormous kind of expectations on his future and success that it was weighing on him in a way that, that nobody could carry that weight. And then it was camp last year, our summer camp, that he heard about the unconditional love of God. And it wasn't the first time. I mean, he'd heard this message over and over again. But for whatever reason, where he was at, it just kind of sunk in. And so he began to open that door a little bit to let God in. And the transformation that happened in his life over that summer was almost unbelievable. You know, he began to open God into those parts of him. He allowed other people to see him and it was incredible. We got to see who he was and all of his quirkiness, and we loved him. He began to experience peace. And then it was a couple of months ago that he did one of the scariest things in the world. He, he decided to invite someone to come to our, our high school group on Wednesday nights called Movement. And for three hours, he stared at that text message, those 15 words before pushing send. As he describes, it was almost immediately, once he let go of what other people thought, that he began to experience peace peace. It was like he was hearing from God and responding. And so he began opening him up to his future, his academics, and began experiencing more and more peace. As God won him peace in each of those areas. You know, for me in my battle with uh, anxiety, it was uh, opening up that door to what people thought about me. I don't know if you guys have seen uh, Marie Kondo on that Netflix show, Tidying Up, but he had some tidying up to do. There were some things that I was holding on to that just weren't that helpful. And so we, we threw some of those things out. My need to be better than other people, my constant comparison, my self-criticism. Those things had to be thrown out so that I could experience peace in that area of my life. I wonder what areas of your life God wants to win you peace. I wonder what areas of your life you've closed off for him. Or maybe if you were to be completely honest, you're not even sure God's on the porch. But maybe the reason that you're here today, this morning, is that God's standing at the door and knocking. He's saying, you've seen what you've done with the place you let me give a shot? Would you invite me in? The Bible is abundantly clear that if we invite God into our life, he comes in, he joins us there. We read in Revelation 3.20 where it's written, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone would open the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. Maybe today God is standing at the the door and knocking, saying, would you let me in? That area that's stressing you out, that's weighing on you constantly, those battles you keep finding yourself up against, would you let me in? Would you let me win peace there? So what we'd love to do is, is to give you space to do just that. 
to name that area of your life that, that's been weighing on you, that area that you've closed off from him, and then to invite him into it. And so underneath your chairs, you'll notice uh, there's a note card and a pen. And the band's gonna be playing a new song. And as they do, I would love for you on that note card underneath your chair, would you write that area or those areas of your life that you've, you've closed off from him? We've got a slide that will kind of help get you started. Maybe there's something on that list that's just bold. It just stands out to you. Or maybe for you, it was something that you, you put in this box this morning. just wants to be invited in. So what you're going to do, uh, you don't have a ton of time, so don't wait till the very last moment, but would you write on that note card those areas of your life? And then we've got a, a couple of stations kind of around the room. Would you place that note, court, note card in the basket and then take a, uh, we've got these small white strings as kind of a, a reminder of that invitation. So throughout this next week, you can be thinking about that area that you've invited him in. Well, I'm going to pray. I've got a, a few more things kind of after the song, but I would love to pray as we enter into this space. Well, God, we thank you for this opportunity to, to be with you this morning. God, we just acknowledge that for many of the rooms in our life, they're not even doors, they're, they're walls that we've placed up to protect us. And so today, we just invite you, God, would you tear down those walls, those places and, and parts of us that we don't show anyone, let alone you? So Holy Spirit, we invite you here this morning. Would you fill us? Would you give us the boldness and the, the insight to name those areas that, that you could do a much better job in? And give us the courage to, to invite you in. It's in your son's holy and precious and mighty name that we pray. Amen.